0: Well, good morning. It's really great to uh, be here as, as we are continuing in our series on Acts, a young church in action. And we've been looking at the book of Acts throughout the last few weeks. And we really only have one more uh, week next week that we're going to be looking at before we turn our attention to uh, a series on prayer. And I don't know about you, but I've really been blessed by this series as we've really been looking at Acts and what happened in the, the early times of the church. As we look at Acts chapter 18, we really find Paul in his second missionary journey arriving from Athens to Corinth. You have to understand, church, as we look at this, as we've been looking at Acts uh, throughout the last few weeks, is that, you know, Paul's been really being persecuted, as we know And now he's arriving in Corinth. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with us. We are in Acts chapter 18. It's also in your service sheets. But Paul is arriving in Corinth and really is a kind of a low time in his life, maybe a low point in his life. You know, he's been facing much persecution throughout his life, as we've seen. We know that he's been in jail, he's been beaten. Persecution has followed him around from place to place. We've looked last week at Acts chapter 17. We know that you know, he had to go to he went to Thessalonica and he preached to the people there. Persecution followed him there. Then he went to Berea, preached to the people there. Persecution followed him. So he went to Athens. Last week we looked at Athens and that powerful passage where Paul gives a wonderful speech talking about Jesus saving love and grace. And the people persecute him there in Athens. Now he's got to go to Corinth. You have to understand as we, as we look at this that Corinth, you have to understand Corinth was a, was a bad city of the time. It was a very immoral city, sin city, if you will. It was full of uh, idolatry, immorality, there was prostitution happening within the temple. There was a huge statue of, the, of a goddess Aphrodite. God of, goddess of sex and fertility. It was, it was a terrible city. and The only thing I can, I can explain it to you, and if you're from here, I, I apologize, but I, I think of like going to Las Vegas and thinking, going to Las Vegas and just transforming that town. It's got to be tough. And for Paul, we know that it's a tough time for him. We know that because we look at 1 Corinthians. You see, Acts really is, shows what happens to the rest of the books. We have to understand Acts before we understand the rest of the New Testament. We look at 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 2, verse 3, what's it say? Paul says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. So it was a low point. I can imagine Paul, at this point, having some limited success in Athens, thinking, you know what, I'm going to Corinth, I kind of wonder if he felt like giving up. You know, I suppose all of us feel this from time to time, kind of a point where it's a low point in our life. Maybe we think there's no, there's no use, the harder I try, the harder things get. When I witness to people, it doesn't, no one listens, I'm just spinning my wheels, Or maybe you're getting nothing out of church. You don't feel like you're drawing close to God through your devotions or your quiet time. Maybe you don't feel like you're being used a whole lot and you're just kind of going through the motions. Maybe some of you don't have much joy in your life. You're waiting for that to happen. Maybe for some of you it's your fear and trembling about a particular situation. We've all had these feelings from time to time. I know that I've had them. Where we make decisions and we feel like no one's listening. When I'm in counseling with people in my office and I tell them over and over and over again the same things, I feel like a broken record and they walk out and they live the same way. And I think, man, am I really making a difference? I have felt these feelings. I'm sure that you've all heard of the, uh, of the joke of the man who got up on Sunday mornings and said to his wife, honey, I feel very down today. I really don't feel like coming to church. I don't like what they're talking about. I don't like what they're singing about. No one likes me and no one wants to talk to me. And when they do, they only tell me about a problem they have. And the wife said to the husband, That's fine, honey, but you need to go because you're the pastor. <laughs> We've all felt that. I felt that time to time, kind of feeling down. So it's amazing to me, no matter what passages that we're talking about, something happens throughout the week that really hits home to me. There was a man in my office this week who was going through, said, identically what I'm saying here. Going through a very tough time in his life. Felt like he was not being used at all in life. Didn't feel close to God. Didn't feel very close to his wife, his family. His job was tough. Financially, they were having trouble. His kids were kind of a mess, all different ages and stages of life. Some were in trouble with girlfriends. Some were in trouble with the law. All kinds of stuff. And I remember him telling me, "Jared, I, I just feel like giving up." And I said to him, "You can't give up. You might feel alone. You might feel like you're fear. You might feel like you're trembling. But as God's Word says, God's with us wherever we go. God's with you. God sees the potential in you. God's going to protect you. God is with you within in His presence." You know, there's many a great men like Paul, ordinary people, who have had some tough times in life as you look at the Bible. You know, you think of Moses, ordinary guy. Moses was going to lead the people out of, out of captivity. But in Numbers eleven fifteen, 15, he says to God, if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. You think of Joshua. Joshua's a great man. He was going to lead the people into the promised land. Ordinary Joshua. But he says in Joshua 7, he says, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to deliver us from the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? You think of Elijah. Elijah, a great prophet of the Old Testament, stood up against the prophets of Baal. If you remember that story where he, he, God set fire to the, the idols on the mountain, full of water. But what did Elijah say? He requested that he himself might might die. He says, enough, Lord, oh, take away my life. Job, remember the story of Job? Had a great beginning, great ending, but the middle was terrible. God took away almost everything from him. He became depressed. In Job 3, he says, let the day that I was born perish. Think of Jonah. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. Now we have Paul. He has to go to Corinth, and he's fearful. He's trembling. It's a very low point in his life. But isn't it amazing that at our lowest points, in times of fear, in times of trembling, God shows up. He says, don't quit. Keep on going. I'm with you. I'm going to protect you. There's a lot of potential there in Corinth. Paul said later in 2 Corinthians, he says, the God of all comfort who comforts the depressed. He comforted him during his time, didn't he? He showed up. And I think as we look at this passage today in Acts chapter 18, there's multiple ways that God really encouraged Paul. And I think for us too, church, this is applicable. As many of us are maybe at this point in life feeling some tough times, where does the encouragement come from? That's why Scripture is so powerful. It speaks to us as it did to Paul. The first one, the encouragement came through friends. You see, if you have your Bibles there in verse chapter 2, it says there, once he got to Corinth, he says there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker there, he stayed and worked with them. Paul was a bivocational pastor. He had to earn his uh, living by other means. So he gets in Corinth, he's all alone, and what happens as soon as he gets there? He's greeted by these two, this couple. This is a powerful couple, understand church. They're always listed together in the scriptures. They were the ones encouraging Paul. It says later in Romans 16, verses three and four, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my coworkers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches, of the Gentiles, I'm grateful for them. God used Priscilla and Aquila powerfully to encourage Paul. Powerfully. Not only did he bring those two, but he brought some old friends. Verse 5, Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, and Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. You know, I have to say, church, there's a lot of people struggling in life. There's a lot of people at very low times in life. I'm going to tell you, like Priscilla and Aquila, God uses people to encourage others, doesn't he? God brings people into our lives to encourage us, sometimes desperate hours. When I was talking to that man in my office, one of the things that we realized is that he kept talking about how how grateful he was for his wife. That through sickness and through tough times financially, through their kids having trouble, through his work not being where he wanted to be, where he didn't feel like he was very close to God, where he wasn't feeling like he was being used. He says, my wife is always there. She's always encouraged me. And I said, that's the encouragement that you need to be thankful for, the power of an encouraging spouse. Church, he often uses people like you and me to encourage others, doesn't he? Just over there at 845 service and. Wilson Hall, Pastor Robbie, asked if there was anybody who had a special request who was really going through some tough times just to raise their hand. I thought that was a powerful thing. He said, those people around those people raise their hands, pray for those people. I encourage them to follow up with those people as well. Why? Because God uses ordinary people like me and you to encourage those. He uses people like Priscilla and Aquila. Encouragement came through friends. I told that person in my office... That man, I said, you know, I'm gonna pray for you, but I'm gonna pray for your wife as well. You give her wisdom and discernment to encourage you in your life. So not only did encouragement come through friends, encouragement came through conversions as well. Encouragement came to Paul through conversions as well. Paul devoted himself to teaching, it says in verse five, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. When they opposed Paul, became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now I will go on to the Gentiles. Paul continued to preach, didn't he? And when the Jews rejected him, what did he do? He shook out his clothes. That was a symbol that, listen, I don't want any of the blasphemy on any of my clothes. The responsibility is on you. The blood be on your own hands. Jesus said a similar thing to the disciples when he he sent them out. He says, whatever town or village you come to, search for some worthy persons there. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. In other words, they're responsible for their own actions. You see, church, our responsibility is to use our gifts and to preach the word of God, the love of Jesus Christ. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to convict. Our job is just to be faithful. Our job is just to be faithful. So what did Paul do? He kept going. Look at verse 7. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door. I love that. So they reject him. They're abusive. What does he do? He goes next door. He goes to the next person he could find. Next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue leader in the entire household. It says in verse 8, believed in the Lord. Many Christians of Corinth who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Church, it's powerful when we see the Holy Spirit working. It really is. Powerful. We get encouraged when we see the Holy Spirit working. There is never a person that I've ever met who has gotten involved to serve in ministry or who have ever gone out and witnessed to somebody around them who have ever regretted that decision. It's encouraging to see the Holy Spirit working and moving. Many of you know that for many years I worked with the, uh, the ministry Silver Ring Thing, which is a partnership of Christ Church. And I remember those days, my wife and I, when we were out traveling, it's a multimedia presentation for young people where we talk about abstinence, and then we'd share the love of Jesus and ask people to make commitments to Him, to give their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember there were times when we were traveling over and over and over again. It was exhausting. There is a team now that's preparing right now, this week. They're gonna be starting, they're using our facility even to train. A young, a group of young people who are going to go out and minister. And I remember there were times where it was exhausting. We would get to a place, seven in the morning, set up till seven at night, do a three-hour program, tear the entire production down get back in the tour bus around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and our tech truck, travel to the next city. We'd have to rotate people sleeping on the bus and driving. Probably not the safest thing I've ever encountered. But we would go, and then we'd do it all over again the next day. And then we'd... Pack up, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, go to the next city, go to the next church, over and over and over again. I thought, how in the world did we ever do that? And what it was was the Holy Spirit was working and moving. Hearts and lives are being changed. And when you see the Holy Spirit working, you get empowered in mighty ways, church. It gives you energy. There's nobody that ever got involved in ministry here and serving where they feel like, I don't have any time. That They realize the Holy Spirit moves and empowers you to, to use your gifts. It's so encouraging. It's so invigorating. It makes you feel alive. So what happened with, with Paul? He goes right next door. Goes right next door. Crispus, the, enti- the synagogue leader, the entire household believed. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed. That's why I love what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. We just said, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. But then it goes on to say, my message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, Paul says, but with a demonstration of what? The Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom, but on God's power. It's not about Paul. It was not about him. It was all about the Spirit working. That's the encouragement. Powerful. Holy Spirit works. We got the chance to hear this week, uh, Robbie was sharing about his time in Jamaica with the uh, middle school and high school students, and about how hard it was to go down there and minister to the people in Jamaica. I guess I thought that they were on the beach surfing, and people just came up, and, you know, they witnessed to those people on the beach. But it's not like that at all. If you've been to Jamaica, many of you have the, on uh, those missions trips, they go into the inner part of Jamaica. It's hot. It's dirty. And they're working with a deaf school and and children there. They're pounding concrete. They're pouring cement. They're rebuilding buildings. It's hot. It's exhausting. It's long hours. But young people are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? I always wondered, how do you get middle school and high school students to give up their summer, to raise money, to go somewhere could be considered a third world part of the world to work all day, exhausting, minister to the kids, sleep in kind of tough conditions and wake up and do it all over again. How do you get people to go and do that? It's the encouragement that happens while you're there, seeing the Holy Spirit move amongst people. It's powerful. Our job is just to be faithful and go. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. So not only did... God encouraged Paul through friends, through the conversions of other, other people. But God encouraged him through a vision, didn't he? Look at verse 9. Verse 9. It says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you. No one's going to attack you and harm you, because I have many people in this city First off, God encouraged Paul through his presence. Through his presence. He says, don't be afraid, go on speaking. Don't be silent, for I am with you. Some of us feel so lonely in life, don't we? Feel all alone. What does Hebrews 13, 5 says? Jesus says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Bible is full time and time again of God saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew has wonderful bookends. Of God saying that he's with us. In the beginning of the book of Matthew, if you remember Joseph's dream about having a baby. The angel says, you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. You go to the very end of Matthew, the great commission. Matthew 28, 20, last verse. Jesus says, I am surely, I am with you to the very ends of the age. He's with us in the beginning and he's with us in the end. Some of us feel so alone. Maybe we don't have a, a spouse that's encouraging us. Maybe, our, maybe our, our family has pulled away from us. Maybe we feel alone in our workplaces or alone in our home life. Maybe we don't feel very close to God. And I'm telling you, God's saying, he's with you. I'm with you. My presence is there. That's why I love what Joan of Arc said. Joan of Arc, the great leader, when she was abandoned by all those who stood by her, she says, it's better to be alone with God, his friendship, Will never fail me, nor his counsel, nor his love. In his strength, I will dare and dare and dare until I die. She said, Listen, it doesn't matter who abandons me, God's with me, his presence. He's with us in our times of loneliness. He's also with us in times of despair. Paul says, I'm, I'm fearful, I'm trembling. He's with you, he's with us in times of fear, in times of despair. Many of us are going through heartaches, family problems. Issues, financial situations, job life, maybe loneliness. God's the God that moved mountains, but he's also the God in the valley, isn't he? I always wonder, how can God be with us at all times? In our times of suffering? Well, I think of John eleven thirty five 35. When he heard about Lazarus' death, what did Jesus do? The Shortest verse in the Bible, John 11, 45. Jesus, what? Wept, didn't he? He wept. He's been there. He knows where you are. He knows the pain you're going through in times of despair. That's why he said in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Many of us are frozen in fear, worried about a particular situation in life. How am I going to pay the next bill? When is my, gonna, when is my child going to come home? What am I going to do about my marriage? What am I going to do about my future? God's with us. God's with us. Because he's been there. If you remember, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what's he doing? He's, He's praying earnestly, so earnestly, that drops of blood are pouring out of his head. And he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering. God didn't take away the death, but he took away the fear, didn't he? Took away, took away all that for us. Sometimes He doesn't change the situation. Sometimes He doesn't change what's going on, but He says to us, I'm with you, my presence, my protection, my power. It's with you. I'm with you. I'm in control. He's also with us in times of sickness and in death, isn't He? You know, Scripture speaks to us so volumes about God's presence during tough times. I Last week, I I had to go to a house nearby of a, one of um, our church members whose wife was in hospice. She was on her last moments of life. And I always wonder, what do you say to somebody? What do you say to the husband? What do you say to the person dying? And then the verse came, so powerful verse, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of what? The shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me because you're with me. It's too soon to quit. Too soon to give up, church. God offered his presence to Paul. He also offers his protection, verse 10. He says, no one's going to attack and harm you. The vision was, keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Paul kept going. That's why they could have killed Paul, but not until he finished his work here on earth. I have finished my course. They killed Jesus too, but not until he said what? It is finished. God has a purpose for your life as well. Greater than your job. And if you choose to, you can live out fearlessly for him. There may be persecution. There may be trials. There may be hardships. But you keep going. You keep using your gifts. You keep ministering to the people around you. Because your work here on earth isn't done. He and he alone will call you when the time is right. Second Timothy 4, 16 through 18 says, At my first offense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me, said Paul. May not be held against them. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through my message might fully be proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. That's powerful. God offers his not only his presence, not only his presence, but his protection as well. He offer, offers though, us his potential. What does it say in the vision that Paul received? He says, because I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. I think it would have been easy for Paul to go to Corinth and go, this place is too far gone. This culture is forget it. There's nothing I can do here. Not going to happen. I think it would have been easy to say that. But God says, no, 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 I've got, there's a lot of people in this city. There's a lot of potential here. You're looking at the problems. I'm looking at the potential. Matthew nine thirty-seven. 37, then the, he, the Lord said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. Listen, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. He says, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you. I am with you all the way through this. And there's so much potential here. So what has happened? Paul stays for another year and a half ministering to those people. So much potential in that city. You know, I wondered during this time, during this vision, if Paul ever went back to the road to Damascus. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, his name was Saul. Saul. And he was on the road because he was killing Christians. He hated Christ, and he wanted to wipe out the Christian population. But God showed up to him, saw the potential in Saul to do great things. Many of us look at ourselves and go, there's no potential in me. I can't do anything. The way I've lived my life, I can't minister. I can't use my gifts. And God's saying, no, 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 there's potential in you as well. There's potential in you. Why? Because there's so many people out there, and I want to use you. I love the story of Samuel. If you remember the story of Samuel. Samuel was, to, was going to anoint the next king. And if you remember, David's father brought all the sons to him. And Samuel said, no, 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 not, not them. Is there anybody else? And David's father said, well, there's one out in the field, but he's a kid. Uh, I can bring him. Samuel said, that's the guy. He saw the... The king inside the kid. He saw the potential in David to lead the people. God's looking at you and says, I see the potential in you. He looked at Paul on the road to Damascus and said, you know what? It doesn't matter how you lived your life. You come to me. Put your faith and trust in me. Let me use your life. And there's a potential. It's great. We so often look at the negative. God looks at the potential. So how do we apply this passage to our lives today, church? Well, first off, I think it's important to point out that God sends comfort to us in a variety of ways, doesn't he? It's not only we look for them, but we're thankful for them. I'm so thankful for my wife, Deb, who is such an encouragement to me, praying for me, encouraging me. I'm so thankful for the people in the church who come up to me and say, listen, I'm praying for you. As we were passing the peace, Carla Batch, said, listen, we're praying for you. Powerful. It's encouraging. It really is. Is God using you to encourage others? Is God using you to encourage others? And if someone's encouraging you, are you thankful for them? Secondly, we understand from this that we are to use our gifts and we are to evangelize, but it's really the power of the Holy Spirit to convict. Our job is simply to be Faithful. It's easy to, for Paul to look at Corinth and go, these people are too far gone, too bad, too old, too cold, forget it. He didn't. Romans ten thirteen says, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Our job is to be faithful. I want to get to the end of my life. I hear God saying to me, well done, a good and faithful servant. That's my hope and prayer for you as well. And finally, have to understand that God promises to us, as he did for Paul, his presence, his protection, and his potential. Some of us want to run and hide, hear the voice telling you that he's with you. When you feel like you're getting nowhere, when you feel like you're, you're far away from anybody, hear God saying he's with you. When you're fearful about a decision you need to make or a particular instance in your life or or stepping out and using your gifts, hear God saying, I'm with you, going to protect you. There's so much potential there. And when you think that there's no way that I ever could be used by God, I don't have anything to offer. This culture, this world around me, too far gone. Understand that God sees the potential and the people around us. And God sees the potential in you reaching them. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Father, I thank you for the fact that you tell us time and time again through your word that you're with us, that you protect us. Thank you for seeing the potential in us to be used mightily by you as Paul did. Help us to be fearless as we do and go about using our gifts, telling others about the love that you showed us. Father, thank you for that. We praise your name. We praise your name for the fact that you did send your son to die for us. Father, help us to be bold and determined to proclaim that as we see our own church, the gospel, grow and go. Thank you for this time. I ask that you be with us in the days ahead, and I ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.